Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it speaks life to us. And this morning, I just pray our hearts, our minds, our life is at your feet, Jesus. And allowing your Holy Spirit to speak into us wherever we are, whether we're sitting at home or whether we're driving or whether we're gathered with a couple of friends, Lord, whatever the case may be, we pray right now that our hearts, our minds, our life is focused on you, Jesus. And use me, for I have nothing of myself, but allow your spirit to speak through me, to speak your word of strength, courage, support, compassion, whatever it is that we need from you today, Christ, because you are the well of life-giving water. And we just give this time to you for your glory and your purpose. In your name, Jesus, we love you. Amen. I want to give you a statement as we get started today for, for you to think about as we move into the sermon. And it's really what everything is built around. Good morning, by the way, to those of you who may not have been tuned in at the very beginning. I've said that once, but if you're just tuning in or tuned in throughout, um, welcome. And we're glad that you're here with us and are tuned in to just share. Um, I want to ask this question to you if I can. Nothing's changed, our statement really, nothing cha nothing's changed but everything's different. Think about that for a minute. Nothing's changed, but everything's different. What does that mean? How do you get your head around that idea? Well, I'm glad you're pondering that because that's really what I want us to discuss. And, and I want to begin by actually talking about an Olympic um, runner for Australia that if you're watching the Olympics, and hey, I love the Olympics, so I watch the Olympics often when they're all, man, we watch a good bit, even from my childhood. I remember um, just sitting and watching the Olympics when they came on with my family, and we've continued that as our family, just sitting and, and watching different things. Well, last night there was an Olympic runner for Australia that was in the 100-meter heat, and he won his heat. His name was Rowan Browning, I think was his name. Um, and here he was, man, and it was exciting because Australia hasn't had lots of runners, men runners that have done much. And he won his heat and he's going to move on. But he made this statement at the end um, as they were interviewing me, talking about him. I read it in the paper as well. He was talking about that the media pundits have, have all had these really nice suggesting things that it's great that he's made it to the finals. But his words, and I want to read them because I wrote them down. I've never been here to just make it to the finals was his statement. As if to say, look, it's great that I'm moving forward and, and they're excited that I might get to the finals, but my goal was not to make it to the finals. My goal, of course, is to do what? Win a gold medal. Thanks for saying that. Um, that's his goal. And that never changes as he moves throughout this process. But everything around him will probably change. Many things will become different and here's what I mean by that. You think about him in particular, but any Olympian, as they go to Tokyo to be in the Olympics, some of them have never been to Tokyo before, have never been to Japan before. Everything around them looks different, smells different, sounds different. Their beds are different. Their routine is different. They're competing against people that they've never met or can't even understand their language. All of these things are different, but their goal is always the same. Their goal is the same as what it was when they were here, preparing, planning, working to get there. So the routine changes, stress levels change, pressure becomes more, 
But yet the goal is still the same. Just like this Olympic runner for Australia who said, I didn't come here to make a final. That's not my goal. Their goal is to win that golden medal. But yet things are different. Well, beloved, in our life as Christians, we have a goal. We have a command, if you will. We have a direction of God, and that never changes, although things around us can become very different. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. Nothing's changed, yet everything's different. And in our life, we can certainly say that things are different. They're changing. They're constantly. We love this little word among our leadership called pivot. We're always having to pivot. But we never pivot away from what our goal and direction is. We pivot because of circumstances around us. In this story, we're going to look and hopefully glean some great little principles to help us journey with where we are today, what you might be feeling in your life right now around all these sudden different things that are happening. It may not even be COVID-related for you, but it might be. And I want us to look at these disciples and what was going on in their life to see how we might can glean some, some encouragement and some help as we continue our journey for Christ Now, the first thing we see in verse 45 is the command. The first thing we have to embrace and understand that we are given a command. It says in verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethesda, while he sent the multitude away. They were told to get in the boat and go to the other side. This was their command. It was a simple command. It was something they had done many times before, I'm sure. Many of them being fishermen, they had been in a boat before, they had rowed before, probably even in the same sea. They had done these things before. It was something that, hey, we can do this. It's possible. So they set out on this journey to go across the sea. What command has God given you? Think about it. Now, beloved, I really want this to be a personal. This is a great time. If there's anyone around you, it's just family. You're not sitting here with everyone else looking at you. So I want you to take this and really internalize it and make it about you and your journey with God today. And ask yourself, what is the command of God on my life? Now, there is the purpose, purposeful command is what I'll call it, for all of us as Christians. And we know what that is, to love God, love others, and make disciples, which is the commission, right? Love God with all that you are. Love others as you love yourself and go and make disciples. I mean, this is very much the way every one of us as Christians believe we are commanded, we're called to do and commissioned by Christ. We're ambassadors and we've been talking about that a lot over the last few weeks. So you can certainly start there in that very simple, purposeful outworking of a Christian's life. We're to love God, we're to love others, and we're to make disciples. You know, here at Elizabeth, we basically say that is connect to God, love God, connect to others, love others, connect others to God, bring them to Christ, making them disciples and followers of Jesus. Now, this isn't a a moment of, oh boy, I'm horrible at that, but this is a moment to maybe evaluate How are you going with your love relationship with Jesus? This is a command. It never changes. How are you going with your love toward others? This never changes. And how are you going in that disciple-making process? 
it never changes. No matter our circumstances around us, that is what we have been commanded, called, commissioned of Christ to do, to be. So just take a moment and evaluate your love relationship with God. How are you walking in that? You're spending time, you're praying, you're worshiping, you're listening in, you're having conversation with him. How are you going with that love relationship with others? What circumstances might be causing you difficulty with that or, or difficulty with really loving God the way you really desire to? And how are you going with being able to walk with others and help them discover Christ and become disciples of Jesus? You see, that's something every one of us can, can certainly step back and say, as a Christian, this is true for my life. And it never changes no matter the circumstances. But let's zero in a little bit more personally. Not just the purpose of our Christian journey of loving God, of loving others and making disciples, but what about you personally? And I, and I want you to really think about this, okay? What has Christ commanded you personally to be doing, to be believing? Yes, it's about loving God, loving others, and making disciples, connecting to God, connecting to others, connecting others to God. Our life is about that. But within that working, we have specific commands. Just like he said to these disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. There are specific commands for your life from God. And I want you to really stop and I want you to really think about those things. What is it that Christ is calling you Maybe it's to talk to that neighbor across the street, inviting them for a meal. Or maybe it's cooking a meal and taking it to my house. Maybe not. Maybe it's to pick up the phone, ring someone, text someone. Those are just very simple things, but maybe it's a task or something God has asked you to do. But going deeper, maybe it's to forgive someone that you've struggled to forgive. Maybe it's to go and ask forgiveness in a relationship that you have jeopardized and damaged. Maybe it's to go for that job that you've been thinking about and you feel that Christ has said, yes, go for that, or, or move houses, or move cities, or, or move states, or move nations. I don't know. Whatever it is that God has said to you, what is that command? I want you to really think about it because as we journey through this text, I want you to constantly be evaluating that command of Christ, because it doesn't change. Either you, you miss out and you miss it because you don't do it. Either you, you just quit or you finish it, but it doesn't change. And I want you, as we begin looking through this text, get the command in mind, specifically, personally. What is something that Christ it's calling you to do. Maybe it's to pick up an instrument, learn to play the drums. We need one if you want to be a drummer. Whatever it is, stop and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what has Christ commanded me to do? One of the things I've watched my wife, she's quite a wise woman, by the way. That's why she married me, of course. Um, one of the things that I've, I've heard Peter say often to people, and I love it, is we, we sit in with couples or individuals and, and just talking through life with them, and they don't know what to do. They're, they're confused or they're, or they're frustrated by life. She'll say, what was the last thing that Jesus told you to do? Do that. 
If you don't know, do that. Because there's something powerful about knowing what Christ has said to you. So I want you to do that for me in this moment. I want you to think, what is the last thing that Jesus has commanded me to do? What is something he's telling me to do? So the first thing we see in this idea that nothing's changed, but yet everything is different, is there's a command that's giving, and that doesn't change. But the second thing we see here in this text is the chaos. We see the command, then we see the chaos. Look at verse 48. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch in the night, he came to them. So, so they're rowing, and the wind is against them. And I think it's John's um, account of this, or maybe Matthew's, I don't remember. But one of them talk about the waves as well. But there is chaos beginning to push against their life. They've been given a command to row across the sea. A simple command, an easy command, something that they have done before. But as they get out there in the water and they begin to row, the wind begins to get hot. It begins to push against them. It would have been nice if the wind would have been blowing with them, hey? And helped them row across a lot easier. But it was blowing against them. The waves were crashing. They would experience chaos in their life. There is times in our life, beloved, most times in our life, and, and would you agree with me, life isn't smooth sailing. We have moments of nice, still, just glassy water, if you will, as you're floating along in life. Maybe even a gentle breeze kind of pushing you along. But often in life, it's more like this. It's more like where we feel we're headed. We're pushing against everything. The wind's raging. The waves are crashing. And it's creating this perfect storm in our life that keeps us from wanting to do what God has commanded us to do. Disciples were experiencing that. And I, wanted, I want you to notice a few things here that was real for them that are real in our life as well. This perfect storm was created, as I said, by the first thing that you see is the struggle is present. The winds and the waves, the storm has risen up and it is present in their life. It is pushing against them. And causing them great difficulty. What about you? What struggles are you facing right now? You know that God's command is, hey, this. This is what I want you to do. Go to that neighbor. Go ask forgiveness. Learn the drums. Whatever it might be. Simple things. Great things. Huge things. Simple. Minute. But yet, as you begin to step into that the wind and the waves begin to hit you. Not literally, but figuratively. The time is an issue. The finances becomes a problem. Uh, being able to do this means I can't do that. Or whatever, you begin to feel the stress. It's not as easy as you thought it was gonna be. And the struggle becomes so real in your life. I wrote down a few things that, that we might struggle with. And I want you to think if some of these hit you, the storms in your life, could it be a breakdown in a relationship? Could it be the loss of a job? Could it be the loss of a loved one? All these things, you know what God's asked you to do, but, but these type things are just wind and waves in your life. For me, as I begin to think through this, it was none of those types of things. For me, it was little bitty things. Just a lot of little bitty things that I began to realize just caused me frustration, 
difficulty. And maybe for you, that's the case. You, you can't really pinpoint one big thing in life that's causing you issues. But if you stop and look, there's lots of little bitty things that every day you just feel like you're bombarded, wave after wave. And if you've ever been out on, on the ocean or on a big lake where the, where the wind can be blowing, it can be a gentle breeze even, but if the waves are coming, it's just you know back and forth and, and it gets you kind of seasick. You ever been there? And that's maybe what's happening to you right now, that all these little bitty things in your life just keep rocking you back and forth. And it's creating this perfect storm in your life. It struggles. It's making you just feel sick. And you know what God has commanded of you. But boy, these little gentle waves, they're just rocking you. Like if I did this the whole time, how many of you would like to look at me the whole time? It's a bit annoying, isn't it? I guess that's what the sound team, tech team feels like all the time when I'm back and forth across the stage. It can be frustrating. Maybe that's where you are. So, so creating this perfect storm, we see that the struggle is present, but I want you to notice something else in their story that is also very real for us too. The Savior is missing. He's not there. You might can turn back in your Bible's one page, and mine is just one page, but into chapter four, at the end of chapter four, and I'll have to get my glasses out to be able to read this, but at the end of chapter four, listen to this. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Starting in verse 35 of chapter 4. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat, and he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Just a couple chapters before this, a very similar account had happened, but Jesus was with them, and they ran to him, and they said, don't you care, we're going to die? A little dramatic, but hey, you know, we're all probably dramatic in those kind of moments, and he gets up, and he calms everything down. But now, a few chapters later, I don't know how long it was in between these two events, but they're out there in the sea on their own without Jesus. This is creating the perfect storm. The struggles are present, but the Savior is missing. How many of you feel like that? Be honest with yourself, guys. How many feel like right now you don't sense the near presence of Jesus? You keep saying, I'm asking, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, I just want to feel him, I just want his help, but he's nowhere to be seen and you feel alone you don't feel like his people have connected to you you don't feel love you don't feel connected or encouraged and this is where you said and see this creates this perfect storm as it did with the disciples you have a command of Christ but but the struggles are present but the power of God you just don't sense the presence of Christ in your life and this makes you feel alone but it also might even make you feel abandoned like where are you God you ever said that before? And don't, don't sit there and say, oh, no. I remember sitting with this lady um, years and years ago. And she, we were talking about getting angry with God. And she says, oh, I would never get angry with God. Well, yeah, we do. We do get frustrated that God doesn't do what we want, when we want, and how we want. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's real. And if we can't honestly, I mean, come on, God knows God knows what you're feeling and what you're thinking. You don't have to hide that from him. 
Matter of fact, the, the sooner you confess that out, the, the sooner you can allow him to deal with that sense of abandonment or that sense of being alone. This is real. I'm not saying it's rational, but it's real. It's real in our life. And certainly through things like COVID, when you're locked in your house and you couldn't go out and you didn't feel like you were being connected to or, or talked to, you could have certainly been there thinking, God, where are you? I've heard people say this to me, well, if God is really there, why is this happening? I don't know about the disciples, but hey, they've been doing this before, and they went across before, and they've had these storms, but Jesus was there, and he calmed it down. I can certainly say, where, see them saying, hey, where's Jesus? Where's he at right now? He stayed back there, that, that, that guy, man, he's back there on the mountainside. We're out here fighting the storm. Where are you, Jesus? I'm in the middle of this storm because you asked me to do something, and where are you? That's real. For many people, it might be real for you. The Savior was missing. There's a third thing here, though, that also creates this perfect storm. The struggle is present. The Savior is missing. And the third thing I want you to see that creates this perfect storm is their stamina is gone. When you look here into this text, um, in verse 47 and 48, it says this. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, he being Christ. Then he being Christ saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now, about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. So about the fourth watch, about 3 o'clock in the morning, they had been rowing since late afternoon, since the evening. They had been rowing because Jesus had told him to row. And, and the research I did, I think I might be wrong. If you look it up and say different, hey, you can rebuke me. But I think the widest part of this sea was around seven to eight miles. What I researched, it should take you two to three hours to go across a 10-mile spot if everything's normal. They had been rowing for what I can figure probably six or seven hours here. So they should have been able to get across. Let's say they were tired after a long day of handing out food and they were rowing really slowly. Should have been able to get across in probably three hours. But they've been rowing double that probably and they're only halfway across. They were tired. Their stamina was gone. And beloved, you know as well as I know, when you get tired, you don't think right, you don't act right, you don't respond right. Our energy levels, when they are shot, we become different people. So I can imagine these disciples out there thinking, come on, we've done this in no time. And look at us now, we're nowhere. And they could have been arguing with each other. They were frustrated. They felt angry. They felt whatever, exhausted. They were probably wet and cold. Their stamina was gone. And everything within them probably would have said, let's just quit. Let's row with the wind. Let's go back where we came from. Is that how you feel today? You feel like, man, I've been giving this a good go. I've been, I've been rowing. I've been going at it hard, but I'm just done. I'm just tired. I'm just going to quit. And I'm going to go with the flow. I'm going to go with the wind. I'm just going to go back to where I was. You can't quit. The command has never changed, yet everything else is different. The perfect storm may have been created in your life, but you can't quit. I want to encourage you, don't. Don't quit. No matter how tired you're getting, no matter how alone and abandoned you may feel, no matter how hard the wind and the, and the waves are crashing in, don't give up. 
Man, God has, has got so much more for you and a plan for you and a purpose for you. And he's commanded you something and you can't quit. It's easy. And I've done it before, as I'm sure you have as well. But don't. Don't do it. So we see there's this command that comes. And this command leads to oftentimes chaos in our life. And that would lead us to a point of wanting to quit. But there comes a calm. I want you to see this. I want you to see this calm that begins to come in their life. Verse 49 to 51. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. The calm came. And this is so significant, beloved, that if, if you just keep pushing through, if you just keep believing that which God has commanded you, I promise you Christ will show up and he will do what needs to be done to bring the calm to your life. I believe it. Here are three key things in this story that I want you to see about Jesus that are so important that you hold on to. Number one, he was praying. The scripture said that after he sent them away, he then sent the crowd away and he went up on the hill and he prayed. Number two, he was watching. It said that he looked out and saw them straining at the oars. And number three, he was coming. He was coming. And when he got there, peace, be still. So be encouraged you might be in the midst of the perfect storm, but know that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father praying for you, making intercession for you, the Scripture says. He knows what you need. He knows what you're hurt through. He knows what your difficult is. He knows what you're really being challenged by in the moment, and he knows what you need to be prayed for, and he's praying for you. How powerful is that? And he's watching. And he knows the moment that you're just going to want to throw it in and give up. And he's going to come. He's going to come. And he's going to be, he's going to say to you, be of good cheer, take courage. It is I. It is Christ. I'm here. And my hope and my prayer for you is that today you experience the presence of Christ. That he breaks into your perfect storm and he cries out, be of good cheer, take courage. Ah. I'm here. I've been praying for you. I've been watching you. And I'm coming. I am here. The calm, it will come. I'll bring, you don't understand. This has been going on for years in my life. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I just believe, beloved, that it will happen if we hold on to the faith and we keep believing and we don't give up. Whatever that command is, whatever Christ has asked you to do, don't quit. Keep going. What I love about the disciples, when Jesus looked at them out in the sea, what were they doing? What were they doing? They were rowing. They were still going. Seven hours, eight hours, I don't know really how long it was, but it's three o'clock in the morning. They've been going since late afternoon. They were still rowing. Let that be an example to you. Don't quit. Keep rowing because the calm is coming. 
And then verse 53, the last thing that I want you to see. Verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. They completed it. The completion. There was a command. There was chaos. There was calm. There was completion. You will get through this. Whatever it is, you will. And I wanted you to see that verse. Christ commanded them to go, and they got there. They went through a lot. They struggled through a lot. But he showed up. He gave them what they needed, and they got there. What is the command that Christ has put on you? What are the struggles that might be causing you not to be able to fulfill those? What is that calm moment that you're longing for that only the presence of Jesus can bring? Because it will all bring you to a place of completion to fulfill that command that Christ has given you. Someone sent me a photo, and I'm gonna get it put up in just a second. Um, last week, not even knowing where I was heading into the sermon this week, but I thought how fitting it is to really fit with this whole idea of nothing's changed, but everything's different. If you'll put that little picture up for me for just a second. This looks like us. We have our plan and it looks smooth sailing. It looks so simple. But God's plan often has valleys, dips, scary bridges across, water that we might have to conquer, storms to get through, ups and downs. And those things always bring us difficulty, stress, frustration. But they are there, and you see that text at the bottom. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials because the testing of your faith produces endurance so that you may be lacking in nothing. I'm not going to say everything you go through, beloved, is caused by God to build your faith. But I will say, I do believe anything you go through, God can use to build your faith and strengthen you. And as we get to the end, I want to read one more verse to you to wrap up. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We are called to run a race as followers of Jesus. And we gotta lay aside those things that distract us and we gotta shake off that sin that hinders us and we gotta keep our focus, as verse two goes on to say, looking to the author and finisher of our faith, which is Jesus. And that's where I wanna close. This race that you're running, beloved, I want you to set your eyes back on Christ. Not on the struggles, not on the absence of his presence, not on the desire for this calm because you're exhausted and you're tired, but set your eyes back on Christ and invite him into your storm to come along and bring you what you need. Don't quit, just keep rowing. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we just pray now that every one of us will remember that last thing that you said to us, that last thing, Christ, that you commanded us to do. And we will keep walking in obedience, no matter the struggle, no matter the sense of alone or abandonment we might feel, no matter how tired we might be getting, we'll keep rowing, knowing, believing that you're gonna show up 
and bring us to completion. We love you, Jesus. And we ask this in your holy name. Amen.